Hey, good morning. Uh, if you're just joining us, uh, welcome. Listen, I, uh, before I came up here, was watching the feed and watching as people were jumping online, and some of you um, are still late to church. We're not even <laughs> gathering together. You don't even have to put clothes on, and you still can't make it on time. But if you're just tuning in, if you missed the first part, then we are uh, so thankful to have you with us this morning. My name is Vern Collins. Um, I'm one of the pastors here at Boone United Methodist Church. This is uh, Jeff McLean, also one of our pastors, and, and we're so excited to be able to bring um, the word together this morning. So it, it was incredible to walk through um, Holy Week. And listen, we say all these things. We're excited and, and grateful for the opportunity to walk through Holy Week and to celebrate Easter. Know that we would much rather have done it with a room full of people, right? Yeah. But what a joy in this season to be able to walk through Holy Week and then to celebrate the hope um, that, is, that is resurrection, the hope that is Easter morning. Um, and as important as it is, and there's never a wrong time to celebrate the resurrection, but gosh, in this season, it felt like the absolute right time for us to consider what Christ was willing to suffer on the cross on our behalf, and, and then what the empty tomb means for us. Uh, and, and I think for me, one of the things that, that has been challenging is that as hopeful as that was, as incredible as it was to be able to celebrate um, Easter and, and resurrection in this season, it didn't change the fact that, that I and maybe some of you woke up on Monday morning still feeling this, this pang of emptiness, right? Because we woke up on Monday in a world that feels like it's changing every day, if not every hour. Um, we woke up in a world that is still full of questions. We woke up when there's, there's just so much unknown. And, and we want the hope of Easter to be real, but we find ourselves facing these questions of what's tomorrow going to look like? And... and you know, what's going to happen to my family? We're, we're wrestling with, with the need for, you know, for income, or we're wrestling with, um, you know, loss of job, or we're wrestling just even with the, the basic, like, needs of life to be met. And then we're also doing all of that, essentially, in isolation from one another, which is not how we were created to live. And so it, it leaves us, I feel like, asking this, this question of, well, so what, right, about the resurrection? Or, or, or what does that mean now? Like, how, what does that look like with feet on it right now? Um, and, and I think that one of the things that's, that's, you know, we find ourselves doing is we have this desire for to go back to the way things were, right? Even if that was hard, we knew how to live in that. Yeah. And, and yet one of the things that we're seeing right now is things probably aren't going to be the way that they were. And I think this is where the hope of Easter meets us. The moment that that tomb was rolled away, things began to move in a different direction. And so nowhere in Scripture do we see this promise of going back to the way things were. In, in, instead, and in the face of that, what we see is a promise that we are going on to something new. Right? And that's where the hope of Easter meets us. Right now, in this season. Um, death began to, to be undone. And, and Jesus promises that he is making all things new, and that includes me, and it includes you, and it includes all of you, and it includes all of us in our lives, you know, where we are right now. Um, and, and I think that, that that's where we begin to, to answer the, you know, the so what about Easter. This is where we, we believe it's going to, to meet us right now. And this is why we've landed in this, this place on this. We had a, an entirely different series picked out. 
Um, and, and we're going to save that because we're really excited about that series. We don't even, we don't even want to tease you with it right now, but it, it just felt like as, as right as the series in Lent was when all of this started, um, as right as it was to, um, to really look into what does it mean to trust God, right now it, it feels right for us to consider, like, what do we do with the struggle? And, and you know, the, the promise of Easter, again, tells us something about the struggle, it, it, that there's, there's a possibility for us to find strength in the midst of it and actually to become stronger uh, in, in the midst of struggle. And so that's where, um, that's where we'll be for the, you know, the next six weeks. Um, and it, it is an opportunity for us to really lean into um, the hope of Easter and, and to begin to apply that hope and that promise of new life and resurrection uh, to our lives. So, so with that in mind, uh, as we begin, let me pray for us. Gracious God, we are, we are so thankful once again uh, to be able to gather. And, and we know that where two or more are gathered in your name, that you are, you are present there also. And, and that your spirit, even when we are absent from one another physically, that you, you have the ability to unite us. And so we, we pray for that right now. That as we are opening your word together, as we're worshiping together, God, that you would unite us. That we would feel the connection of, of um, the, the church, the body um, of your son Jesus. And we pray that as, as we do open the word, that it would indeed be for us living and active. God, that it would meet us right where we are and, and, and penetrate us right where we are. Um, that you would not um, leave us unchanged this morning, but that you would use your word to do a work in us, to transform us, um, and to draw us closer to you. And we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we're going to be in 2 Corinthians uh, 12 this morning, but before we jump into that, I saw something on, uh, on social media this week, and maybe you saw this, Jeff, and, but it was this really long thing, but I just, the first line grabbed my attention and, and would not, uh, it, it wouldn't let go. Uh, and, and the first line says, we're not all in the same boat, but we're all in the same storm. Hmm. We're not all in the same boat, but we're all in the same storm. While all of us have been affected uh, by this pandemic, not all of us are affected in the same way. While the thing that unites us is the struggle, we're each struggling in, in unique ways. And so to, you know, to make the statement that we're all in the same boat is, is a little naive and I think careless of us. What we have to recognize is that, yes, each of us is struggling, but each of us might be struggling um, in different ways. Uh, and I just wonder, um, like, what are ways that, that you have found yourself struggling uh, in the midst of this. this is one not one of the questions that we talked about but I, this is this is a freebie I, I'm, I'm just curious I think um, you, you've named it already and we've talked about it a lot just the the constantly changing um, almost just the constantly changing expectations like the the fact that our realities change on such a such a such a quick and daily basis and yet we're still there's this desire to as you said to to let's just go back to what we know. Like, let's just, let's just go back there because I know how to do that. Um, but we're not there and we're not going to get back to there. It's going to be a new normal when we get back to it. And so, um, so I think that's where I'm struggling now with just the, just the constant barrage of, of changing dynamics um, and changing expectations in terms of how do I care for my family? How do I do my job? How do I make sure my kids are doing the schoolwork they need to do? How do I relax? How do I get those projects done? Like all the stuff, right, that, that floats around that during this time where things are different, you, you have all these, you know, Pinterest, Instagram, all, all the social media, like, pressure to look what I did this week or look what, hey, with this time, with this gift of this time, 
look what, look what I've been able to do. And it's like, man, I, like, I'm still trying to just stay afloat. Like the, the, boat, the boat's still taking on water right now. I'm, just, I'm still bailing with the bucket. <laughs> and so trying to keep your head that's the, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well, yeah. And so, so I think that, um, I mean, I appreciate the fact that we have the opportunity to, to show, you know, hey, look at, look what we've been able to do. Look what our family's been able to do. And I just wonder if that's an attempt for us to, to try to pump some, something joyful and something hopeful, you know, into, into the situation. Because yeah. underlying all of that, um, and, and this is something that's not unique to any of us, is that we are suffering. We are struggling. It, it is, it is a, a common reality for humanity, right, that we all struggle and that we are all going to experience suffering. And right now we happen to be experiencing it um, together. And I think it's important to say that following Jesus does not exempt us from suffering. Um, in fact, Jesus promised uh, as much, and yet too many of us have been fed, unfortunately, a Christianity that says otherwise. It's, it's a polished, cleaned-up, sparkly version of following Jesus that, that we kind of enter into it feeling like we shouldn't suffer, we shouldn't struggle. And when we do, when we experience that, we, it, it begins to like unhinge our faith, mm. right? Yeah. Um, and, and so, I, listen, if you've ever been offered that version, on behalf of the church, forgive us, because it's, it's just not what Jesus promised. And yet, I get it, the temptation is real for us to present this version of Christianity that is comfortable and that is mm. easy, right? Because imagine if our, like our message on Sunday morning looked more like the message of Jesus. Hey, you're not going to have a place to live. The job you had, you're going to have to leave. You're going to lose your job. You're not going to be sure, you, you don't know where food is going to come from. Your family's going to get tired of you. Your fr- I mean, basically, everyone's going to hate you, but sign up because it's going to be amazing. Like, you should come <laughs> be a part of this. That's just it doesn't feel very inviting, and yet it is, it is something that has endured and stood the test of time. So as hard as it is, we have to ask the question, man, what is it about following Jesus that's so amazing, right? Um, <clears throat> Jesus promises um, suffering. In the Sermon on the Mount, he promises that it's going to happen. Because at the you know, very basic level, being human means we're going to suffer because we live in a broken uh, and, and a sinful world. But I think that the, the second, the thing that's underneath that, the reason that he promises suffering is that he doesn't want there to be any question about what it means to be a part of his kingdom and, and making his kingdom a reality on this earth, that it's going to cost us something. You see, we, we, want, we want the grace without the cost of discipleship. Like, we want to know that we are loved and that God meets us where we are, and, and that all, all of that is true. But I think we want that without what it costs us to follow, you know, Jesus. And, and I think right now, that's being tested in very significant ways. Mm. You know, what does it mean to be a Christ follower in the face of something that is incredibly difficult and, and something that we don't have a playbook for? Right. We don't know, you know, how to walk through this well, so we're trying to, to ask that, that question. Um, you know, where we spend a great deal of time and energy trying to avoid suffering, now it's a reality, you know, for, for all of us. So the question for us as, as followers of Christ is, is not whether or not we're going to suffer. The question is how do we approach suffering? What does, how does our faith inform the way that we look at suffering and the way that we walk through um, suffering uh, and, and struggle? Um, because not only does Jesus promise it, but Jesus promises to be with us in it. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's where the hope of Easter 
is this hope that yes means something for our, the future. It means something for eternity, but it's meant to mean something, you know, right now. Hmm. So, uh, in Second Corinthians chapter twelve, man, I love that. You know, Paul of, of gosh, almost anyone we read in Scripture has tapped into just the upside down nature of what it means to be a part of God's kingdom. Let me read these uh, words from Second Corinthians twelve. This is the NIV version that I'll be reading. Paul says, I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weakness. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Jeff, if you could be stronger in any area of your life, what would that be? I think um, I alluded to this earlier in talking about what I'm struggling with in their current season. I think the bigger thing I'm struggling with is control, right? Um, I want to be able to have control over everything. I want to know that everything is in its place. I want to know that I'm doing all the things I need to do. Um, And I want to know that I can do that by myself. Thank you very much. I don't need your help. I don't need God's help. I don't need anybody. Like, God's there. Awesome. Love it. Um, But I can handle this. Um, And so... I think that's one of, one of my biggest areas of weakness is thinking that falsely that I can do everything on my own and wanting to, wanting to make that happen. So h- how have you seen that exposed right now in this season? I, <laughs> I, we can't, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, here we are, like Christ is risen and Corona's still here. <laughs> and... Um, and I can't fix other people's responses to it either, right? Like, I can control my own stuff. I can keep my family at home. I can do what we're supposed to be doing, social distancing, wearing a mask, all that stuff. Um, but I can't control what other people choose to do, and I can't, I can't make any of this go away any, any faster other than the things that I do in my own house, right? And so, I, so that's, that's some of where I've, I've seen that and realized it. It's like, I, I, man, I don't have any control over a worldwide epidemic that's affecting all of us. Right, right. Yeah, it's hard. And so I think one of the things that this has done is, is for a lot of us, it has is, it is exposed weaknesses in our lives that when we run at such a busy pace and, and we're able to, you know, like produce this picture of efficiency and competency and strength and it, it, all of that has been stripped away. And so yeah. now yeah. We, have, we are being brought face to face with our weaknesses in, in ways that we, you know, that we're not accustomed to. Yeah. And it is incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah. And gosh, Paul's response challenge is, is both challenging and inviting for us. 
And, and what Paul is doing here, so there's, Paul's um, ministry, his, his apostleship, like the effectiveness, the, you know, a lot about who Paul is and what Paul has given his life to is being questioned right now. So Paul's you know, trying to answer some of those questions because what's happening is there are these, these, um, these people who are presenting a shinier version of, of um, Christianity than, than Paul is, and, and they're also saying, you know, we, we have special insight, we've been given special revelation, and, you know, that only, only we, we have, and we're willing to share that, you know, with you for a cost, and, you know, and so people are looking at Paul and saying, man, Paul, you don't, you don't look like these guys. What's going on? Well, if you look back at chapter 11, like, Paul just lists this resume of suffering, you know, at the base level, what Paul has lived through is going to take its toll, you know, on your life. But what Paul is doing in chapter 12 is he's answering some of these arguments, and he starts out talking about this man who, who has been caught up into these visions. And Paul's talking about himself, but because he's so humble, he's not, he's not saying, so 14 years ago, I was caught up in this vision. He, he's, it's out of his humility you know, that, that he's sharing this, but not, you know, he's kind of speaking of this, like in the third person. And, and there's a reason for that. That's not what Paul wants people to focus on, because that's not what Paul has learned is, is important. It's not about what Paul can do. It's not about what Paul has experienced. It's about the work of Christ in Paul's life. And so he, he instead shifts gears and highlights this this thorn, and we don't know what it is, right? And gosh, there, there have been all kinds of speculations as to what the thorn could be. Some people think he suffered from migraines. Some people think that it was just like his physical appearance that he felt like was a deterrent. It was a thorn. It was a weakness. But I appreciate the fact that while Paul in this letter could have said, this is the thorn, this is the weakness, he didn't. Because our tendency when we hear something like that is to focus on that thing, you know, to focus on that Paul's ailment, and then kind of examine our lives against that. Instead, what we get to say is, oh, Paul has something in his life that he wishes would go away. Hmm. It's something that's causing him pain. It's something that's causing him weakness. I know what that feels like, right? Paul has created a connecting point, not only with the church in Corinth, but with us 2,000 years later. Because we have these things in our lives that we wish were different. Right now, we are living lives that we wish were different. We're experiencing weakness in ways that we have, we have never experienced, you know, weakness before. And so, <clears throat> Paul, has, he's, he is doing what we ought to do. He's taking this to the Lord. He is praying earnestly for God to remove this from him, to remove this, this point of suffering. And I love that even in this, he's modeling his life after Christ. He prays three times. We, we talked you know, two Sundays ago, about Jesus asking three times in the garden for this cup to be taken from him. And, and then we see this resolve in Jesus that says, all right, not what I will, Father, but what you will. You know, and we see the same thing in Paul. He pleads three times, and then, and then it's, it's as if his, his resolve turns from, God, please take this away. Please change my situation. Please heal this weakness to, okay, I'm open now. If this is going to remain, I'm open, God, to what you are going to do um, in, in the midst of, of this weakness. Because he heard from God too, right? right. Like God yeah. said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Right. I, I just, I imagine Paul, right, it, it being like, look, there's this thing, like it's preventing me. From, I could do so much more for your kingdom if only, you know, and God's like, no, you, you got my grace. Like that's, that's the only thing. 
that you need. So, so then what does Paul go on to do? Paul goes on to say, I'm going to boast in my weakness. Mm-hmm. We don't, like, we, we do all we can to <laughs> hide our weakness from people. And yet Paul's like, I'm going to highlight it because it's in my weakness that you, that you realize something about the power of God. When we think about Paul's life, when we look back and we say, gosh, if I could be like someone, if I could preach the way Paul preached, if I had the passion that Paul has for the gospel, we don't think about Paul's weakness. We think about the amazing things that God did through him. That, I mean, today he's probably one of the greatest evangelists that, that the world has seen, right? Yet we tend to approach weakness and, and struggle and suffering in one of two. I mean, it, you might be like a glass half empty, a glass half full kind of person. But then to push that to the extreme, you, you might be like a worst case scenario type of person. My, my wife tends to be that way. But I think it's just to counter the fact that I'm the type of person that's like, everything's going to be awesome. It's fine. Right? Like you either live where, like this is, things are as bad as they could possibly be. Or there's no room for suffering. And yet what Paul does here in this passage is he helps us to see that hope and suffering can exist in the same place. Mm. That just because there is suffering does not mean that, there is, that hope is absent. Just because there is suffering and weakness does not mean that strength is not possible, right? And so, so Paul is revealing something to us about the fact that these two things can exist together and, and it brings him to this place of... Um, you know, of, of rejoicing. Um, and, and I think that, you know, for us, like what if we stopped living into this lie, this bumper stick of theology that says God's not going to give you more than you can handle, right? I, listen, I think that that is total garbage. God is absolutely willing to give you more than you can handle mm-hmm. because God's willing to do what is necessary to bring us to the end of ourselves, you know, to bring us to this place where we come face to face with our weakness and realize that we we have need for something greater than us, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like I, I think about you and, and I love how different our personalities are. And I, I think that's one of the reasons we're such good friends, but um, <laughs> like trying to hold, you know, like let's keep all the plates spinning and <laughs> yeah. hold the world together. And, it, you know, we look at Hebrews chapter one and, and it talks about Jesus, you know, he's, he's finished the work of, of providing rescue for the world and he is sustaining the world, but he's doing so from a seated position, you mm. know? <laughs> like we are running around like crazy, like it's our job to hold the world yeah. together. And yet yeah. what God wants to do is bring us to this place where we say, I, I can't do that. Hmm. I'm, I'm not strong enough um, to do that. And so I guess, it, you know, man, thanks for sharing just what, what has felt weak and what you struggle with. But where, like, where have you seen God's power meet you in that place of weakness in this season? I think I've I've seen it in God's presence, like this sense that even though, um, and and we've talked about this before too, um, these last few weeks, even though things look like they're falling apart, even though I don't have control over everything, even though I can't do all of the things that I want to be able to do that that help form the, you know my perception of who I am and all this stuff, um, God is saying, I'm here. Mm. Um, just like talking about the storm and we're all in the storm and Jesus in the, in the storm with his disciples uh, stood up and, and said, peace be with you. I, I've felt that. I've felt that sense of peace. And that's how I've experienced God's power in the midst of this, this time where I'm struggling with my lack of control, my ability to control my environment, my situation. Um, I felt God saying like, it's, it's okay. <laughs> I'm here with you. And, uh, and it might not look like it's okay right now, but it's going to be okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and I think that, you know, one of, like, so we want, we want to experience that. Like, we want to experience this, this promise of the power of God in the midst of our weakness. And, and it requires us to, to do two things, right? To remain honest about our weakness and, and, like, remain in touch with that. And so, listen, just right now, I want to encourage you and invite you to be very real about what you're feeling and, about, and, and name the ways that this is hard right now. Um, and if you have people that you trust and can talk to, share that with them and talk with folks about this. And, and, you know, rather than try to gloss over it, like allow yourself to feel the things that you're feeling and to ask the questions that you're asking and, you know, all of the ways that, that kind of keep us connected to, to our weakness in the, in the face of suffering. The other thing <clears throat> is, is that we, we need to exist and, and pursue and live in this, this abiding, intimate relationship with God. Like that... That's how we create space for the power of God to meet us in our place of weakness. We saw it in the early church, right? I mean, when, when, you, when you hold up Peter, and I, I mean, I love Peter. Like Peter of the Gospels, I want to be a f- friends with that guy because <laughs> Peter's always going to make you look better, right? <laughs> because of the things he does, the things he says, like keep that guy close to you because you're going to come out looking like a <laughs> champ. But then the Peter that we see in Acts, it, we're looking at two different people it seems like. Mm-hmm. Because of the power that, that, is, that is present and at work in his life and then through his life. Mm. And it's because Peter was brought to this place of weakness. The, the very thing that he said, what he, you know, I, I will never you know, forsake you, Jesus. I'll always be with you. I'll fight with you to the end. And Peter, not only did he run, but he denied Jesus. Denied even knowing him. And yet Jesus meets him in that place of failure and weakness and, and empowers him. So, so in the early church, we see that the way that they stayed connected, if you look at the end of Acts chapter 2, they committed themselves to the apostles' teaching, you know, to the breaking of bread, to fellowship, to prayer, to worship. Well, some of those things are difficult for us to do as a community right now. But, but I think the, the significance of the apostles' teaching is that the story that they were telling is, yes, a story of how God met them in their weakness. How they, they had this idea that this was going to be one way and it didn't work out that way and, and they, they were all proven to be weak as a result and yet Jesus met them in that place. Like that's the story that they're rehearsing. They're keeping that in, in, in the collective memory and then that's the story they're telling as the gospel is going forth. Hmm. But it's, it's not necessarily easy to do that. It takes discipline, yeah. right? Um. You know, Paul, Paul writes about that in, in 1 Corinthians. And we'll wrap up here just with, in just a second. I want to just close with this thought. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Paul says, Do you not know that in the race all of the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified you know, for the prize. And so Paul is, is you know, letting us into something of the discipline of, of what it looks like to, to live in this relationship with God. And, and, and I wonder, like, what is, um, you know, one of the things that you, you and I, uh, did together was to take on the discipline of trying to run every day for a year. 
And that discipline actually ended up wounding us physically. <laughs> like I, I, somewhere, I never had anybody along the way say, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> In fact, everybody was like, that sounds awesome that you're doing that. And yet I, I literally just started running a month ago. Yeah, I mean, and that I'm was not not much behind it. Yeah, yeah, I had the same similar experience. When did we do that? Was that 2018? I it mean, was it was last. Yeah, yeah, last we, summer. No, we start. Well, I start, you started before me. I started in January of last year, right? And made it to June before my body fell apart, right? And I wasn't able to walk for a while. <laughs> so the so this is a little different. The discipline that I mean, like if you ever train for something, you know, you know that like the, there's some pain involved, but the discipline here is that that Paul is talking about is not, not something in which God intends to wound us. Yes, there might be pain involved in God stripping some of the things away that, that have inhibited us from, from living in intimate connection with him. Um, but God's hope is not to wound us, it's to uphold us, right? It's to meet us and it's to fill those weak places with his power. And, and it, it's perseverance. Like it takes staying with it. It takes, takes staying connected to that relationship. And I wonder like in this season, where has God, where's God asking you to persevere? Yeah. So I think one of the things for us both about running was that we, it, it's not only a physical discipline, it was a spiritual discipline. Um, and we met God as we ran and we, we worked things out and we prayed and we heard and we thought about what are we going to say on Sunday and all that stuff. That was one of the, that was one of the things that we loved about, about running and, and about taking that intentional time. Um, and so, looking at spiritual disciplines in this season, um, I, one, one that's meant a lot to me is, is I've started playing piano again. Um, through my sabbatical last summer, felt like God was telling me to, to pursue music a little more because that's something that enlivens my soul, makes me feel closer connected to God. And so, so I picked up uh, playing piano again and, and just flipping through the hymnal, trying to play a few hymns, um, but looked at it as a spiritual discipline. Okay, well, I'm, I'm also not quite back to running yet. I'm, I'm almost there. Um, but if I can't do that and spend time with God, what can I do to, to connect and to foster that relationship and to grow? Um, and I found that for me, sitting down and trying to play through something um, has been a way for me to, to connect um, with God and to, and to be in, in prayer and to be mindful of God's presence in the middle of the storm. And, and in the times when I feel most stressed out, the best thing I can do is find 10 minutes and sit down at the piano and just, and just play something that reminds me of God's presence with us. Right, right. And, and, you know, I just want to invite you, um, like, what is it that something God, that God might be, what is something that God might be asking you to, to take on or to lean into um, in, in this time? You know, what is a discipline? I mean, we have time like we've yeah. not had before, and yet I think for many of us the tendency is, is to just being sedentary. Like, yes, rest. Yes, take advantage of the opportunity that life has slowed down in ways that many of us long for. But, but in that, in that rest, like what are you doing to, to create space for God to meet you in that? Mm-hmm. Um, what are you doing to, to stay connected to your weakness? But what are you doing to create space for God to, to meet you in that? Because, because that, when we find that intimate connection with God, that marriage of suffering and hope, um, it, it changes the way that we walk through a time like this. Um, <clears throat> Victor uh, Frankel, who was the, the famous um, you know, Holocaust survivor, watched his, his family lose their lives, right? Was, I mean, he was in one line. They were in the other line that went to the furnaces. Horrific. I mean, I can't imagine the pain associated with that. 
when he was asked um, later, how in the world did you go on from that? He said, he who has the why to live can bear with almost any how. He who has the why can bear with any how. We have the why in the hope of the resurrection. We have the why in the person of Christ. We have the why that God promises to meet us in our weakness. We have the why that God is aware of our suffering because in Jesus, he took on suffering himself. And when we remain connected to that truth, God helps us to see the how. God helps us to see how we are going to walk through this and how we might find strength in the midst of weakness, how God's glory and his power and his goodness might be on display in us when we feel like the world is falling apart. Yeah. You close us in prayer. Yeah. Loving God, I give you thanks for your word uh, today through your servant Paul, um, through your servant Vern, um, in ways that you've shown us that your strength will carry us uh, through the weakest and and the most difficult times. We're grateful for that presence, Lord. Continue to fill us uh, by the power of your spirit. And when we're feeling like we can't do it, uh, remind us that we don't have to uh, because you do. It's all done. It's all accomplished in your son, Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen.